the first year goal I generally tell people is to try to replace a certain percentage of your income. Be willing to put in the time and effort, make way less per hour than you probably previously did, but that first year make a certain percentage of what you made and have the rest saved in case we can't cut any additional expenses. Uh, and then year two, double it. And year three, double it. And that's not something you can do in perpetuity, but it's very doable in the first two or three years. Replace that income, double it a couple of times, and then you're at a point where you're ready for the next growth phase. The following is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end -end client experience platform that helps you get the job, manage the job, and get credit. Hey, hey, this is Gordon Henry at Winning on Main Street, and this week you get to meet Charles Alexander. Charles' mission in life is to help entrepreneurs get focused and beat the odds of business failure. He wants it to take you from side hustle to small business success. Charles is the director of Tennessee Small Business Development Centers, where he provides one-on-one -on -one business coaching, teaches seminars to help entrepreneurs grow their business. In addition to coaching entrepreneurs, Charles also owns his own business, creating explainer videos. He's gonna to explain to us what explainer videos is for busy professionals. You can find them at yourcharlesalexander.com. Welcome, Charles. Thank you, sir, for having me, Gordon. All right, well, good to have you. So let's get into this business failure thing. You know, we hear about it a lot. Why do small businesses fail? What are the top reason why startups fail? Gordon, what are the, some of the statistics you hear on what percentages of businesses fail? I hear 50% in three years, 70% in five, something like that. And, and that's on average. The SBA will estimate like 50%, and that's being pretty generous. If you start really digging in, into the numbers, it'll, it'll be closer to, like you just said, two out of every three. And you know, quite frankly, for somebody like me, I've got three kids at home ages 12, uh, 10, and eight. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've all got this entrepreneurial spirit and love to do lemonade stands. That probably means two of them are going to be living in my bonus room forever unless I do my job really well. Uh, so one of the biggest reasons, and I just finished listening to one of your podcasts, uh, Henry Lopez, plug for him, don't know him, but it was, it was a good show. And one of the things he pointed out is one of the areas that I always talk about, yet is one of the most ignored, and that's just the fear of failure or fear of the unknown. Number one reason that somebody will come in to see me is to talk about getting this magic checklist about how do I follow all the steps to make sure I don't get in any trouble. Uh, and by the way, for your listeners, I've got a, a robust magic checklist for taking a side hustle to a full-time business. And uh, we'll, we'll tell them later on how to get it. But that's one of the first things. And I've tried to reframe that uh, because they don't come to talk to me about fear. They come to me for X's and O's. And uh, we can call it worry, concern, whatever you want to frame it as, but that idea that you want to make sure that the guy in the big black trench coat with a briefcase didn't come knocking on your door and take you out of business because you didn't dot an I or cross the T on your taxes somewhere, uh, or, or, you know, just the fear of failure in front of your friends. Uh, but some of, you know, that's the first one. If you can kind of get over that hurdle, you got real tactical things that you have to contend with. Uh, one of the First ones is just a pure lack of experience, which is really unfair because how do you ever get experience at running a business until you, in fact, run a business? And you have to translate a lot of the experiences you held previously. Most of the people I work with, Gordon, start off undercapitalized. Uh, they just get excited or get frustrated, rather, 
and they just decide I'm opening a business and they will use any sign of God as the reason that they need to open the business, you know, and that's, they'll take off with whatever they have in their pocket or unfortunately cash out their 401ks. Um, and for younger people, I, I don't know what, why this is the magic number, but between somewhere between 25 grand and 50 grand, people have a trigger in their mind. I got to cash that out. Why that is, I don't know. I guess because it's not a big enough number to see themselves in the future with it. Uh, if you're listening, don't do that, please. Uh, just <laughs> hang on to that money. Um, and, and all of this stems from one of the other big reasons uh, is a lack of planning, which is a boring topic. But I have a lot of people that they don't plan for their business. They think about it, talk about it, pray about it. Uh, we'll hit you up at the water cooler and give you all these brilliant kind of concepts and everybody cheers them on, but there's no planning involved. You know, there's no goal. So if there's no goal. There's no activities to meet the goal. And then you can't break okay. the activities down from annual to monthly to weekly. I mean, okay. th these are the big reasons I see out of the gate why their business failure is around 70%. Okay. So planning is, uh, it sounds like number one on the list of what business owners should do, but don't do. And okay they come, they come see you to do that. So when you create this plan, what, what's in the plan? Uh, you know, I, I said before, you know, you hear business plan, it sounds like a big dusty tome that sits yeah. on a shelf gathering right. dust. And it can be. What, what, what is it supposed to have in it that all these business owners think sure. they don't need? before we create a business plan, we have to have a reason. Why are we even creating a business plan? Now, if it's to go get financing, it probably needs to look a little like that big, dusty, ugly business plan you just talked about. <laughs> uh, and, and even then, it doesn't have to be 50 pages full of charts and graphs and demographics. Bankers don't want to see that. Right. Uh, in those cases, it just needs to be a specific outline of what you're going to do and specifically how you're going to do it. More importantly, a lot of the business owners I work with are not going out and getting financing, and I'm not telling them to go do it. I love the idea, and that's why I always like really trying to focus on the people that already have a side hustle. That small business you've already started on the side, and you start to grow it and grow it. Uh, the purpose of planning at that point is first and foremost to select a goal. Let's make a revenue goal, and let's look at what your products or services are. What's the average sale amount? Well, that tells us how many customers we need. Great. Well, how do we get the customers? Well, let's talk about marketing. Uh, another quick plug, duct tape marketing. Uh, John Jantz spelled out really well in one of your previous podcasts about yep. trying to find yep. the tar not, not tactical stuff, just who, who's the target? What's their pain point? How do we solve it? Then the tactical stuff. These are the things that need to go into the business plan. Uh, and then secondarily, the managing process or what I like to look at, how do you scale it without you bottlenecking it? What's the best ways to find the correct automation tools and, and who are you going to delegate things to that, you know, somebody else can do better in your presence and probably much cheaper. Uh, and then if you really want to get wild, do a one page cash flow projection where you tie these things together. That's what a plan needs to look like. Got it. So why do you focus on the side hustles? Is it the idea that, hey, if you've been doing this for a while and you show, number one, you, you, you keep doing it, you, you've right. got some skill at it, and maybe you already have a few customers, that that gives you some legitimacy that you can actually turn this thing into a business? There's a proof of concept. You have somebody that took some initiative. It's not just some dream that mm -hmm. you sat around in, like I said, the corporate office because you were dreading putting the cover on your TPS reports or the fact that you've had way too much time at home, especially this last year, I have been inundated with more startup ideas yeah. than ever before. 
And we've had more startup businesses come through, but man, I've had to qualify, which is a really cute way of saying weed out some just, you know, make-believe ideas where people, I guess, have just had way too much time on their hand and they're looking for that quote-unquote free grant money, which by the way, for listeners out there, if you didn't get anything else out of today, don't go looking for free grant money to launch your business. If you find it, it's like a unicorn. I've never seen one, quite frankly. Uh, but the concept of your question, why a side hustle to a small time business, they've done it. They've gotten some proof of concept. They've overcome that fear. They've had to plan at least a little bit, or even if they haven't planned, they've got something to use for the future planning process. Right. I like that proof of concept. That's a nice, concise way of saying yeah. that, that until then it's just a dream. But once you've done right. it, at least for a while, and somebody, sh- you got some demand, somebody wants to pay you for it. Even if it's small, you've sort of proven the concept like, hey, you can find customers, maybe then people will believe you can find some more. So let me ask you, you you do some kind of business plan, you do the side hustle, you get the proof of concept, maybe you have some little seed money somehow, you're saving your friends and family. Okay, now you're ready to kind of grow the thing, okay? And what, what are your tips for scaling the business, taking it from something small to something bigger and meaningful? First of all, I tell people, don't quit their day job just yet. Sure they know what that gap is between where they are financially, where, you know, where they, where they will be if they quit and, and really, you know, be willing to, and, and begin to overuse these terms, hustle, grind, whatever, but be willing to work until you're ready to just, you know, punch somebody and then make the switch. But in terms of scaling and automating, I mean, automating is right up your alley, as, as I know, with. Uh, some great software tools there at your disposal. Uh, but the idea is find out what all you're currently doing in the business. Uh, so first and foremost, as hard as it sounds, write down everything you're doing every single minute of every single day. Uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that I even had a worksheet for, a cute little worksheet I'd handed to people. They'd smile, you know, almost pat me on the head and jet out the door having zero intention of doing it. But I did it. Uh, actually, you know, did it for a week. It was tough, did it for two weeks. And I got to a point where I was doing it every day and did it for about a month. And I was able to quickly realize there's a lot of these recurring tasks that I don't need to be doing. So in my particular case, when I got a virtual assistant and for anybody that's looking for one, upwork.com, great place to get started with. Found a a virtual assistant in the Philippines, which that is their cottage industry, evidently. It's like, uh, you know, we used to be with uh, car manufacturing. That's where they they, uh, specialize. So. Uh, identify what those tasks are and create a one-page SOP for somebody else to do. And even in those cases, Gordon, I would create a video using a screencasting software. Uh, you can get a variety of them through like Google uh, extensions. I think uh, uh, Loom may be one of the free ones, but just record here's, you know, here's how I follow up with a client. Here's how I use uh, this spreadsheet and I'm calculating this, will you just do it for me because I'm fumbling over and it's taking me an hour and then it's using all of my brain power that I would use to grow my business. Either way, I come up with just three hours a day of stuff that I was doing that I didn't need to do. I recorded it, documented it, handed it off to somebody else. And as soon as they started, of course, it wasn't perfect, but they would work through the process. I'd work with them, be patient. And three hours a day just magically showed up. Uh, that's the delegation piece, automation piece. Um, as you guys know, there's a ton of different softwares that are out there. Obviously, Thrive being a fantastic one, but uh, where you don't have to type or retype or you don't have to connect this dot to that one. There's just things that will do it for you. 
yep. uh, not just in, in marketing, but in, in running your business. And that's so when, you, when you're talking about that, do the ugly work of getting it all written down, figure out how to take yourself out of the bottleneck and you need to focus on being the owner and not the employee. A lot of things that can be automated when you start thinking through the whole kind of customer okay. journey that, that, that are just done over and over. Hey, Charles, this is uh, great. We're going to come back in just 30 seconds. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor. And then I want to get into a little bit more about financial success for SMBs. More from Charles Alexander in just one minute. This episode of Winning on Main Street is brought to you by Thrive, the end-to-end client experience platform that includes everything small business owners need to meet their customers' expectations. Thrive's award-winning and fully mobile interface delivers technology previously reserved for big business to the fingertips of small business owners nationwide. Thrive's built specifically for small business, but there's nothing small about what it can do. Thrive handles your entire customer experience, helping business owners reach more customers, stay organized, get paid faster, and generate online reviews, all from a single device or screen. To learn more about Thrive, visit winningonmainstreet.com and click on Get a Demo. When it comes to software to run your business, there's no comparison. Check out Thrive today. All right, we're back with Charles Alexander from the SBDC in Tennessee. And uh, Charles, tell us a little bit about financial for success for the SMB. You talked about before something, you know, I'm going to make a million dollars and they're sure. making 75000 mm-hmm. in their job. What is a realistic, for your average SMB, and I know that's hard because there's all oh, sorts boy. of different, yeah. but what should what should people be thinking about year one, year two, year three in terms of what do I got to put in right. and what am I going to get out? You're right. Loaded question. On average, a lot of these small businesses I work with are not storefronts, brick mortar. They're not a ton of equipment. So if you're wanting to get over into full-time consulting or you're a graphic designer or you're a web guy, the first year goal I generally tell people is to try to replace a certain percentage of your income. Not even the whole thing. You know, I threw out the number 75 grand a little while ago. Uh, If you have a spouse that's working continue to work. Just you be willing to put in the time and effort, make way less per hour than you probably previous did. But that first year, make a certain percentage of what you made and have the rest saved in case we can't cut any additional expenses. Uh, and then year two, double it. And year three, double it. And that's not something you can do in perpetuity, but it's very doable in those first two to three years. Replace that income, double it a couple of times. And then you're at a point where you're ready for the next growth phase. And some people never take that leap. And I don't say they have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be just happy to have themselves and two or three employees, contractors or whatever, and they make a decent living. You're still running a risk at that point of, you know, something happening to you or a change in the market or a change in the economy technology. And then you suddenly being out of business. Uh, yep. Now, beyond that, what you're asking about, I've got several clients right now that I'm working with right here at the end of the year that'll make a two or three or $400,000 investment to do a big thing, to do a, a guy that just opened, a, a veteran here just opened a, his own local brewery that was his passion forever. And he took every penny he ever made, saved, put together and put it into that. I have another one that has a, a side hustle that's going into a full-time business where they're importing, importing, how, how country bumpkin of me. They're bringing in fish from Hawaii Feels like mm-hmm. import when you're in Tennessee, uh, in the in the Tennessee and from a few other places they have locally sourced they have sourced that uh, they were doing 
on the side where they prepackage it and sell it in bulk and you know sell sushi kits and other fun little things got enough of a following they're investing real money out of their own pockets uh, to go storefront and you know one of the spouses is still working and the other one is continuing to grow that and the plan is to switch them over to both of it full time uh, and that's a big one of the big things we always get is about funding for small businesses the yep. funding a startup not easy banks are risk averse rightfully so they already know that the success rate is not fantastic so they the catch there is that you need some money of your own you need some collateral that a bank would honestly won't but the most important thing is cash flow you gotta have some money coming in a business has to be open for at least two years before a bank will consider it viable mm -hmm. uh so that's why again I, one of the other reasons i like a side hustle idea and maybe other sources of income coming in at the same time before you ever try to go borrow money yeah that totally makes sense let's uh switch over to you, your business a little bit because i thought okay. that was interesting you you, you run a, a explainer video business which i i spent some time on your site it looks like often cartoon type uh, videos uh, or animated videos sure. that tell the story of the business. Is that, tell us about the demand for that. Who are the customers and what's right. the style that works? So for any of your listeners, if you ever have been to somebody's website and it's got the, you know, right there on the front page, as Gordon pointed out, animated video of, hey, hey, meet Gordon. Gordon is a great guy, podcaster, but he has this issue and this, you know, issue is going to be probably the same one that drew you to the website. So my, my niche, and I know it's supposed to be pronounced niche. I, I'm in Tennessee. We're going to say niche. Uh, <laughs> my niche is uh, insurance agents and financial advisors. Uh, and, and I'll tell you in a minute how I even got to that point. But those, those are the two folks, uh, sets of people I really like working with. So when you go okay. to their site and if it's an explainer video I made for them, it's uh -huh. about 90 seconds or less. Hmm. Uh, it tells a short story. A story brand style for any of you that's ever followed their materials. But it's a pretty simple concept. Uh, you got your hero of the story. They're successful in whatever their own right is, but then they have this issue. And the issue mm -hmm. makes them feel X, Y, Z. That's mm -hmm. where you come in. You're the helpful guide. You'll walk them through the issue. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll give them the solution. The solution will work. And then they'll have the happy ending. Mm -hmm. and, and it works that way for a wide variety of any type of businesses out there. So for financial advisors and insurance agents, their customers usually going to be somebody that may, you know, maybe they look like me or Gordon or you or whoever, but they worry about their finances. They worry that they don't have quite the right insurance in place and they need a trusted advisor. So that's what a lot of those stories will look like uh, through a 90 yeah. second period. That's great. So that that we're very we've spoken before about on the show about the story brand formula. I've read right. the book and you know spent time learning that process. You do all that in ninety seconds. You 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 create that whole story arc in ninety seconds. And uh, there there's a, a reason for that, and there's a ton of data that back up ninety seconds. I did it on my own because I'm hard headed to find out kind of anecdotally anything less than one minute really makes it tough to get that story out there. But Gordon, anything two, two and a half minutes long. It almost has to be Oscar nominated worthy in order to hold somebody's attention anymore. You could do those for businesses anywhere. They don't have to be. In That's Tennessee. right. So, I, and I do them for anywhere. I mean, the amount, amount of Tennessee clients I have is few and far between. Most of my clients are from all over the United States. I do a lot of LinkedIn marketing that works really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I say financial advisor and insurance agent, it's about 70% of what I do. The other 30% is one of everything else. Right. 
uh, which uh, I'm, I'm happy to do, but have decided to uh, niche down into those two after having worked with one of everybody else. We realized I like these two, and they're they're I can speak their language. Yeah, that's great. And let's just remind folks uh, to find you and and sign up for those videos or check it check you out. It's at yourcharlesalexander.com, right? And that can be even said for the side hustle, the full time business. Both of them are. Uh, at home right there, I've story branded my website, so to speak, to where there's two clear call to actions for either set of folks. That's great. Charles, we're just uh, down to the last minute or so here. You're a busy guy. You got the, the main, your main gig. You sort of have a side hustle, right? You got your SBDC yeah. gig. You got your explainer video gig. You said you have three kids. Busy guy. Do you have any time for fun? And what do you do for fun? Yeah, I used to, ha I used to have time for fun. So my fun right now, <laughs> it, you know, tonight. Good example. The eight-year-old has a, a choir or course thing at school, and then the ten-year-old has her own voice lessons, and then the twelve-year-old has dance. That's what I'm doing tonight: is shuffling pieces to figure out where they all go. I help coach basketball and football. I read a lot. Uh, you know, watch watch. You know, here here in the southeast, watch way too much football that uh, I'm personally <laughs> invested in, but have zero uh, out. Uh, you know, outcome on, and then <laughs> you know, if I can find you know a little bit of time, try to pay attention to the wife, and that's about got it. That's great. Well, you know, young dad, so that's a great yeah. thing. Well, Charles, this has been uh, really great uh, to meet you and and hear your story, and and thank you for stopping by. And I hope people will look you up again. That's yourcharlesalexander.com, and you can talk to Charles about business issues and problems through his SBDC gig, as well as looking for videos, uh, opportunities to do videos about your business or your future business, uh, where he may be able to help you. So, thank you again for your time today. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please tell a friend or colleague to subscribe, and please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, make it a great week.